Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How is everyone? I'm look, I'm feeling good. It's nice and rainy outside. I like rain. Anyway, I'm gonna start this off with a bang because as usual I botched another name. We all know how well I do with names. I said C first to decipher. Every time, doesn't it? I'm horrible with names. You know, if I I'd be like one of those school teachers, you know, when they're they're they're, they're reading off the, the roster in class. I'd have every name messed up for, for me. I don't know what it is with me and names. Anyway, welcome to California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and I'm going to be a very apologetic host for mispronouncing this gentleman's name. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue, we can get to you, no matter where we're at. But the kicker part of all this is this show isn't about just about the paranormal, as you guys know. And tonight's going to prove that because I'm really excited to have my guest on. I have admired uh, Tesla's work all my life because I actually dated a guy for like 15 years who was one of these, um, I forget what they call, boy geniuses. And so he was forever, excuse me here, I hate having things hanging. He was forever doing experiments and testing things. And so I learned all about this stuff. I learned about, you know, how Tesla did stuff, how Edison did stuff. We were forever building things that sparked and 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 blew up and all this other stuff. I mean, my, but give me an idea how smart my friend Robert was. He took a put apart a telephone when he was three and put it back together and it worked better than when they bought it new. Okay, so that's how smart he was. So up until around my junior year in high school, I was hanging out with this guy and we would <laughs> we would do things. I mean, you know, not like normal kids. I mean, we we, we were doing like literal experiments. With stuff he, he built he built a home, a home laser i mean this is and you got to figure okay i'm gonna tell you guys i don't like to say how old i am but i'll tell you that i'm 56 so when you're when you're around somebody that's building a their very own home laser at like nine or ten years old that's before they had any you know any instructions before the internet you know this this is when they had tandy computers way back then i was 12 i had my first i had my first computer and it had 34 megabytes of ram and i thought that was something big right that's that's how old things are, how old that is. And so this this guy was doing all this stuff. So I have admired people like Nicholas Tesla. I've admired Thomas Edison. Of course, I went to Thomas Edison School. You look at the neighborhood around where I'm at. I live off Watt Avenue, and then just down the road is Fulton Avenue. Okay, so it's all you know, around that. And then I went to Thomas Edison School. So I've admired these guys all along, and I remember Robert teaching me about uh, separate currents of electricity and how it all worked. So anyway, without further ado, I want to get my guest on, and I think you guys will be interested by this because uh, Mr. Tesla has a you know has a lot of inventions out there that even you may not realize he invented. That's what makes this so cool. All right, and if you're watching from Facebook, do me a favor and hit that follow button, and if you're watching from um, anywhere else, hit that like or follow button. Okay, because I'm everywhere here. <laughs> you can find me on you can find me on on Twitter. You can find me over at TikTok. You can find me, you know, iHeartRadio. Wherever I mean I'm I'm everywhere now, so check that out. Okay, so I'm gonna bring my guest on. I apologize all over myself, Mr. Cipher. Now that I have it, see I've got it straight now, Mr. Cipher. All right, guys, here we go. Good evening, Mr. Cipher. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks for having me. I'm so sorry. I'm horrible with names. I apologize. That's quite all right. So tell me about you, sir. How did you get so interested in, in Mr. Tesla? Well, you know, you've got this show about parapsychology. That's really how I got into it. I was teaching parapsychology for 15 years at Providence College Night School and also University of Rhode Island Night School. Mm -hmm. And I met a fellow, his name was Howard Smuckler, and he was teaching a course on UFOs. I was teaching a course on telepathy, psychokinesis, uh, the neurophysiology of how we can transfer information from one person to another. And I had read a book about a Tibetan Lama. The name of the book was The Third Eye. And it was written by a guy by the name of Lop Sang Rampa. On the cover of the book, 
It looked like Orson Welles with a third eye in the center of his forehead. And I was wondering, why, what's this Caucasian guy with a you know, third eye in the center of his forehead? But the book was from 1956, and I loved the book. And then it turned out there was a second book. The second book was called Doctor from Lhasa, where, where Rampa goes to uh, China and becomes a medical doctor. In the first book, he is the psychic for the Dalai Lama, the previous Dalai Lama, not this one, the one before this one, where he could see auras around them, and he would tell whether it was a good guy or a bad guy meeting the Dalai Lama. He was like protecting the, the Dalai Lama through mm -hmm. psychic abilities. Well, in the third book, you find out that Lapsang Rampa is no longer alive, that he swapped souls with a British plumber by the name of Cyril Hoskins, and it's Cyril Hoskins who's writing these books. And he's written another 10 or 15 books. And they're amazing. They're really, really good. So I'm writing an article on uh, on Lapsang Rampo, Cyril Hoskins. And I go down to New York. I'm from New York. I go to the New York Public Library to look up more about Rampa. And I find a book on avatars. One of them is Rampa. One of them is Jesus Christ. And another is this guy called Nikola Tesla. It's 1976. And it says that Tesla was born on the planet Venus. He was dropped on the earth in 1856, raised by earth parents to give us fluorescent lighting, neon lights, the induction motor, the hydroelectric power system, remote control, robotics, wireless communication, and on and on. And I'm going, I thought the Rampa story was crazy, but this is even crazier because if this guy lived, obviously I'd know who he was. Right. But I'm in the library. So I look up the name, and sure enough, there's an article on high-frequency phenomena written by Nikola Tesla, and I find out the guy actually lived. He's really there. So I get back to Rhode Island, and I say to Howard, I said, I just learned about this guy Tesla. He says, oh, Tesla? Here. He gives me two books. One book is a, bio a biography of Tesla by John O'Neill, who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, biographer who knew Tesla for 40 years, called Prodigal Genius. Superb book. And another book is the nuttiest book you've ever heard of, <clears throat> called Nikola Tesla and the Venusian Spaceship, which said that Tesla is still alive. He's 114 years old. He's flying around the earth, landing in, in Arthur Matthews' backyard up in the Laurentian Mountains, where the mountains end, where the, the, the trails end in Quebec. Right. And uh, so those are the two books I have. So the only way you could get a book of his patents was through a UFO organization. So I got a thousand page UFO uh, you know, sponsored book, but it's actually from the Tesla Museum. And it's got all of Tesla's patents. And I'm going, you know, I'm dealing with out-of-body experiences and telepathy and whether Uri Geller can really bend metal and, and all that stuff and life after death. And you don't know where reality ends and fantasy begins. Mm -hmm. But with Tesla, I had solid patents. These are real patents. Now, was he really the inventor of the radio? Is he really the inventor of remote control, uh, induction motor? So I made him the subject of my doctoral dissertation as to why his name disappeared. And I went into the heart and soul of each of these inventions. And I found to my utter astonishment, he really lies at the basis of all those inventions. And so I knew I was on to a, a very big story. And that's how I wrote uh, my first book, uh, Wizard, The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla. And then just a few years ago, Prometheus Films, they do uh, ancient astronauts. I was in a few of those ancient astronauts shows. In fact, I just shot one on Friday. Uh, said, uh, you know, Kevin Burns called me, he said, do you want to star in a show called The Tesla Files? And we'll, we'll look for Tesla's secret papers. So I said, sure. So he flew me out first class to Hollywood. Then we flew first class to the Tesla Museum in Serbia, et cetera, et cetera. I helped write the story and use my book as, as the Bible. And while I'm making the television show, the show goes out to 40 different countries. I'm getting emails from all over the world of people sending me information like declassified information from the Soviet Union and on and on. And meanwhile, I'm writing a book anyway, a, a new sequel to, to, to Wizard, called mm -hmm. Tesla Wizard at War. And that was really it. I got access to information I could have never gotten any other way. Mm -hmm. um, a lot had to do with Prometheus Films. And that's how the second book, uh, Tesla Wizard at War, was born uh, through that process. I just find it interesting, you know, you, you, here you are, you know, somewhat of a scientist, you're a scientist. And you start thinking about him being from Venus because there were a lot, you know, I, I've seen TV shows and I think it was ancient aliens. Maybe it was with you or somebody else when they were talking about these geniuses like, like Tesla and these people that have invented this stuff, that maybe they're getting their messages from aliens. Yeah, there's a lot to it. There was a, a woman by the name of Margaret Storm. When I was a kid in the 1950s, there was a television 
gal. She had her own show. Her name was Margaret Storm. It's a different Margaret Storm. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book called Return of the Dove, which suggested the test was part of the eighth root race, that we have different races, different levels, and Tesla was from a higher race, and that he had actually been born on another planet. This is during the 1950s, you know, uh, with all the UFOs that started to be seen. And she hypothesized that he was born from another planet, and she wrote this whole thing. And then this, uh, this story got morphed into another novel called The Man Who Fell to Earth. It starred David Bowie in 1976. It's really a takeoff on this myth mythological idea uh, having to do with that Tesla came from another planet uh, to give us all these inventions. I look at it spiritually, though. Had Tesla not come or arrived when he did, we would have been stuck with, uh, you were talking about the different currents. Right. We would have been stuck with these direct current machines, which were all coal-operated. In, in where I'm from, in New York, in the, in the Northeast, there were 3,000 coal-operated local power plants all over the Northeast, all spewing up you know, uh, coal in, into the atmosphere, polluting the atmosphere. And Tesla said we could harness Niagara Falls. It's clean energy. And not only can you light homes with it, but you can run factories anywhere. You don't have to be by a river to do it. And so when Westinghouse won the War of the Currents against Edison, uh, they put in Tesla's AC system. It's really the utopian dream. It runs on what Tesla called the wheelwork of nature. God or, or the higher energies or whatever you want to call it has, pro has provided us with a mechanism, a waterfall, to create unlimited power that's clean energy, that's renewable, that doesn't sap the earth of coal or oil. And that's what Tesla really stands for. So in that way, since... Uh, the higher beings, whatever you want to say, placed him on the earth at this moment to save this earth from unbelievable amounts of pollution, uh, which would have happened if he had come in even 10 years later. Do you think, and I know that this is something that I've seen doing research because I love history. I'm a history buff. And when you look at different civilizations, it seems like this has been something that's been happening for years and for hundreds of years where certain people will be dropped in, you know, certain individuals will will be like you say dropped in to do certain things but then when the technology gets beyond what you know whatever that civilization is it disappears and it starts over well i think that there's a lot to that i mean now they've got these ufo sightings off the east coast mm -hmm. um tesla there are two aspects of tesla in relationship to extraterrestrials number one is he received pulse frequencies on his equipment in 1899 when he was out in colorado springs Mm -hmm. Now, he was racing against Marconi. The difference between Tesla's wireless system and Marconi's wireless system, Marconi could only send dots and dashes, could only do Morse code. He needed the continuous wave frequencies of Tesla's to produce voice, pictures, and even power. So when Tesla is telling a few years later J.P. Morgan that he can create an unlimited, an unlimited number of wireless channels, he really and truly is the uh, uh, foundation uh, inventor of cell phone technology, the ability to create an un unlimited number of wireless channels. But you're in 1899. How do you test equipment over uh, 10, 15, 100, 200 miles? It's very difficult. Right. So what Tesla decided to do, he's in Colorado Springs, which is along the Rocky Mountains. You can see lightning storms 200 miles away. He was tracking lightning storms at distances of 600 miles away on his equipment. So if his equipment could pick up a lightning storm 600 miles away, he knew that his his rece receiving equipment was correct. One night, in the middle of the night, he heard, it was July of 1899, he heard three beeps. And I've seen replications from the Corum brothers, who were Tesla experts, that it reproduced this. And it sounded just like this. It sounded like this. Beep! 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 With three beeps. Now, it was mathematical in nature. It was not a natural, you know, random phenomena. And Tesla assumed there was a lot of belief in life on Mars at the time. Percival Lowell, who was in Flagstaff, Arizona, not too far away from where he was in Colorado, he was the brother of the president of Harvard University. He had a huge telescope. It's still one of the largest telescopes in the world. And he was photographing what they thought were the canals of Mars. The Martians, according to uh, this Percival Lowell, were irrigating the entire planet. They were a million years ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And they chose the most important electrical engineer of the day, Tesla, to contact, to let him know that we're out there and we're, we're bringing you into the international, the, 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 super, the uh, inter, intergalactic realm, and this is the first message. 
Spielberg at the time when he made uh, Close Encounters had never heard of Tesla. We were trying to get a film made with, with Spielberg and he said, who's Tesla? Now he's quoting him in, in uh, the Kennedy Center when uh, his friend George Lucas gets an award. But at the time he said, who's Tesla? You know, he didn't know who Tesla was, but he, but he did know because Close Encounters is exactly that concept. The way the extraterrestrials interact with the humans is through music and through a mathematical design. So it got filtered through the occult, through the mystical, and Spielberg read all that kind of stuff uh, in magazines and all that kind of uh, things. And so it's, there's an irony there, a tremendous irony there uh, that, uh, that Steven Spielberg through Close Encounters was actually recreating what happened to, to Tesla, you know, 75 years earlier. But at the time he did it, he didn't realize that Tesla was the source. The other, the second part of that is though, Tesla believed in something called the plurality of worlds, which meant that there were other uh, intelligence entities all over the universe. And he wanted to communicate with these other intelligent entities. On, on, the, on the positive side, he was opening up our, our ideas to a much wider world. On the negative side, he was pushed into the occult and his name disappeared. And that's one of the main reasons why he, his name just totally disappeared from the history books in the 1970s and 80s. Nobody knew who he was at that time. Well, that was my next question, too. You know, in you doing research on Tesla for your papers, did you find it hard to find information? Because, I mean, even now, if you go on Google to look up Tesla, you're not going to come up with a lot compared to, like, say, Thomas Edison or somebody. It was very difficult. And, in fact, what happened was a lot of his uh, colleagues, he was in, um, there were his competitors, really, were in legal disputes. It was basically you know, uh, Tom Edison's company got absorbed with Elihu Thompson's company. The Edison Electric Company became the General Electric Company. He gets his name got knocked off the company. But one of their primary scientists was Charles Steinmetz. He was a dwarf. He was a brilliant mathematician. And he wanted the AC polyphase system, which was the Tesla system, because that's a system that even today is the electronic grid. It runs the whole world. So when Charles Steinmetz wrote a major textbook on the AC polyphase system from in 1897, which was the first book I ever read on the AC polyphase system, Tesla's name isn't in there. It's really like writing a book on the theory of relativity and somehow forgetting to put Einstein's name in, in the book. That's, so that's the kind of thing I was dealing with. I had to uncover the real story. And that's why my first book, Wizard, has a thousand endnotes. I, tra I tracked all the, I wanted everybody to know where I got the sources because even today there are people that want to dismiss Tesla's uh, contributions to all these uh, uh, inventions, but he really is lies at the basis of all of them. And I prove it. And Scientific American read my book and called it serious scholarship, uh, which, you know, which was a tremendous praise from, uh, from, you know, the top of the line. Is it true that even Thomas Edison incorporated some of Tesla's patents in what he was doing? Yeah, everyone had to use Tesla's patents. Now, Tesla worked for Edison. In fact, Edison was was his Willie Mays, was his Mickey Mantle, was his Tom Brady. I mean, he was, he was his hero. He couldn't wait to get to New York to work for Tom Edison. And he had this, he already had the invention. He had the way to send uh, electricity hundreds of miles with no loss of power, when Edison could only send it a mile with tremendous loss of power. Uh, so he tried to explain it to Edison, but Edison couldn't understand AC current. AC changes its direction of flow at thousands of times a second. Tesla figured out how to make it go in one direction. That's Tesla's genius. So they went into a dispute, and Edison, he, Tesla thought Edison owed him $50,000, and Edison said that was an American joke. You don't get my American humor. Tesla left in a huff. And then there's the war of the currents, AC versus DC. And Edison is literally electrocuting cats and dogs. He paid kids on the street 25 cents for a dog or a cat, electrocuted them with AC. And he testified at the trial of William Kemmler, who was the first man to die in an electric chair. And he testifies how to kill somebody, somebody with AC. You put your hands in jars and, and on and on, jars of water. I mean, he was really an enemy of, of Tesla's uh, until Niagara Falls was, was harnessed and Edison realized, gosh, I made a huge mistake. And they became friends again. When Tesla's laboratory burnt to the ground in 1895, Edison provided Tesla with a laboratory until Tesla could find, could build a new laboratory. So I, I cover all that in Tesla Wizard at War, the new, the new book, where we see that they actually became friends again. But Edison realized he was wrong in that, in that 
in that war of the currents time, which was in the early 1890s. Did Tesla have issues that we, I mean, um, as far as like finances for him, because he really wasn't as, as, as suave, suave business-wise as, as Edison was, was he? No, he wasn't. He was, uh, he, he was unfortunately not a very good businessman at all. Um, during the War of the Currents, uh, Westinghouse is, is involved in a huge legal dispute. They were spending then tens of millions of dollars then in legal disputes as to who's the real inventor of the AC polyphase system. So they were uh, publicizing Ed, uh, Tesla's name. They wanted the world to know that it was the Tesla AC polyphase system. Um, and so after they win the war, but during the height of the war of the currents, mm -hmm. Westinghouse says, look, I'm spending millions of dollars. You want me to scrap? I have a thousand power plants all over the Northeast. They're all making money. You want me to scrap all those and go with your uh, untried uh, system? And so Tesla says, look, I'll rip up the royalty clause. You must go my way. I don't care about the money. You've got to go this way. It's just too important. And so later, when he tried to get some money from Westinghouse, Westinghouse tells him, uh, I, I can't do it. I'm just a, a titular head. I'm just a, a figurehead now, and I can't help you when your wireless schemes. It's a little remindful of Stephen Jobs. I don't know if you know the whole story with, with Jobs, but he got kicked out of Apple Computer. Uh, he was kicked out for a while, and if had they not brought, brought him back in, Apple would have gone under. Actually, Bill Gates even helped bail out Apple Computer. Uh, but the heads of these companies often lose control, and that's what happened to Westinghouse. It's a very sad story of Westinghouse because he was a tremendous backer of Tesla, but later when Tesla needed serious money in wireless, Westinghouse couldn't provide the funds for him. And how did he get the funds in the end then to continue his work? Well, he made a deal with J.P. Morgan for $150,000 in okay. those days, which, you know, multiply it by at least 10, at least 15 million, I mean, but maybe two or three times that, to build this huge tower on Wardenclyffe, Long Island. And he ran out of money. And really what happened, this is, Tesla was, you know, he's, he's a flawed human being. He found out that Marconi was pirating his in, invention, where mm -hmm. he had offered Marconi his, his invention earlier. Marconi said, I don't need Tesla's invention. Then Marconi writes an article. You want to do wireless communication? You take a Tesla coils. It's already, it's already been used. So Tesla freaks out. Marconi's using my equipment. I offered it to him. I'm going to double the size of my tower. So I won't just send wireless messages to Europe. I'll send it to the Pacific. It'll go to Australia. It'll go to China. It'll go all over. Mm -hmm. So instead of building a 90-foot tower, I'll build a 187-foot tower. And with, by doubling it, I can now send energy around the entire Earth. So even though the cost will be double, the revenues will come in at a much giant, uh, uh, more much larger revenue stream. Mm -hmm. So when Morgan finds out, uh, Morgan freaks out because Tesla breached the contract. And Tesla said, I know, but I, you know, Marconi, this and that, and I'm going to advance the world a century. We have to look beyond the money, but I'm telling yeah. you, believe in me. The thing about wireless, Morgan couldn't understand uh, that wireless was going to provide, was going to make millionaires of so many people. Look what the football players are getting, 50, 60 right. million apiece, the baseball players. It's all because of the advertising through through wireless. So it was an entirely new paradigm. But Morgan was afraid because he didn't know how to build uh, wireless communication. And he had rubber plantations. He had copper mines. He had lumber yards. He wanted wires. And so he prevented Tesla from completing his tower. It's a very, very sad story. Um, and he blocked Tesla because Tesla was living with other multimillionaires who could easily provided the money, uh, um, Henry Clay Frick, Thomas Fortune Ryan, Jacob Schiff, each of those people worth in those days several hundred million dollars, which is they were multi-billionaires uh, in today's dollars. And they would meet with Morgan and Morgan would stop them. And it's a, just a tremendously sad story because this one man, Morgan, stopped uh, us getting radio and cell phone technology in 1901 and we got it slowly over time and through an inferior system. Even today, the wireless system is inferior to what Tesla had envisioned. It's just amazing. That's why I tend to go back to that. Maybe the aliens were talking to him because the stuff he came up with, you know, that he was designing back then that essentially we weren't ready for really at that, at that point in time. But still, he kept coming up with these ideas and coming up with these ideas. What kind of person was he, per if you were able to do the research in that, what was he like, 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 like away from that stuff? What, what was he like personally? He was a bon vivant. 
he was uh, called the best dressed man on Fifth Avenue. He lived in the Waldorf Astoria, which was the most posh hotel in all the world. Kings and queens stayed at the Waldorf. Uh, he knew John Jacob Astor, who owned the Waldorf, who was the largest landowner in New York City, who helped fund uh, one of his wireless uh, experiments out in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. um, and he had friends. Uh, Stanford White was the designer of uh, Madison Square Garden here where I live in, in, in Rhode Island, the Capitol in Providence, the Towers in Narragansett, Rosecliff Mansion in Newport, the Tennis Hall of Fame. Brilliant. And, and I found letters between uh, Stanford White, uh, who was a ladies' man. Tesla was celibate. They were opposites in that regard. And White writes to Tesla, I'm going to have a party out on my boat on, out on Long Island. Please come. I'd rather have you than the King of England. Um, Tesla was very well revered. Uh, he had a great sense of humor. One of his uh, closest friends was Robert Underwood Johnson, who was editor of Century Magazine. And Johnson's wife, Catherine, has this vicarious love affair. You read the letters between them, you'd think that they were lovers. And he's, she's trying to get him married, but he's celibate. He's, you know, he, he doesn't want to get married because he's devoted his life to science. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll tell you, you know, one story uh, to, to tell you his sense of humor. He had a great sense of humor. In those days, they believed in spiritualism. And uh, I, know, I, know, I know you know all about this stuff. So Catherine decides to telepathically communicate with Tesla. So she says, you know, Nicola, you know, last Sunday at 3 p.m., I concentrated and tried to contact you. Did you get a message from me? And he writes back, I never thought of you, not even for an instant. <laughs> he's, he's joking with her, you know. Um, so he has a great sense of humor. He really just, he just does. Now, was he uh, coming over plans for airplanes or, or some type of flying machine, too? Yeah. You know, the, the point of the Tesla files, it's a, a five-part limited series. It's, it's right. now on Amazon. It was on the History Channel. We were looking for his secret papers. After he died, the uh, U.S. government sat on his papers for uh, 10 years. That's a lot of what my new book, Wizard at War, is all about. Right. What happened to his papers and uh, what did they do? And I discovered a split in the military uh, and uh, people that were involved in the Manhattan Project, all the scientists up at the top, and Eva Bush at the head of the Manhattan Project. Um, and I wanted to prove if they really used Tesla's uh, inventions. Mm -hmm. He had a patent at 1921, and he repatented it in 1929 on something he called the Fliver plane, where the plane took off like a helicopter, then the propeller rotated into the airplane position. He wanted everybody to have a flipper plane. It'd be cost about a thousand dollars. It would fit in your garage. So instead of having cars, we'd all have these uh, flipper planes. Um, one of the people that was studying his papers was uh, Frank Jewett, who was uh, part of the Manhattan Project. He ran Bell Labs. Mm -hmm. He dismissed Tesla, and you know you, you read what he says, and he puts Tesla down. Meanwhile, Bell Labs is the people that that designed and created the Osprey helicopter airplane. If you look up the history of the Osprey helicopter airplane, I'll give you a medal if you can find Tesla's name at the bottom of all this. But we discussed this in the Tesla files, and we actually have, you know, uh, Travis Taylor and Jane, Jason Stapleton. I got them to go onto the, the plane, and they actually go up and fly in, in the helicopter airplane. So there's solid proof that, that the military use of one of his inventions was definitely used. He also invented a flying wing. Um, you know, uh, World War in World War Two, the first person to get first country to get jet planes could win the war, and the right. Germans were ahead of us. But we had a we had a jet plane, and one of the and the first person to fly an American jet plane was Brigadier General L. C. Craigie. Craigie was uh, one of the people that Tesla was uh, working with. His name was Blois Fitzgerald. He was a private in the army. He took the plans, the secret plans to Craigie, and Craigie said, we have to keep these plans. Uh, this is, these are too important, the particle beam weapon. And uh, John G. Trump, which is Donald Trump, President Trump's uh, uncle, uh, looked at the papers and said, nah, there's nothing to him. Don't worry about it. Vannie Bush, the head of the Manhattan Project, he put all his money into the atom bomb, which, of course, he should have. But he also was dismissive of Tesla. So what I uncover in Wizard at War, the new book, is a split 
where Elsie Craigie, who was like the John Glenn or Chuck Yeager of the day, the first military man to fly a jet plane, is all is a brigadier general. He wants to keep these papers. We have to study the particle beam weapon. We have to study the flivver plane. We have to study these secret papers. And Trump and, and Bush and, and some of the others, Jew, said, now nah, you can send them over to, to the communist country of Yugoslavia. You don't have to worry about it. And so, but we kept a hold of these papers for 10 full years. So I really get into that in depth uh, in this book. Um, and, and I found out that Franklin Roosevelt wanted to meet with Tesla at the height of World War II. And I think the reason clearly was because Tesla had a particle beam weapon, a death ray, which might have protected us if the Germans really got a jet plane and they got an atom bomb. They came over with a jet plane and atom bomb to drop it on New York. Maybe you needed Tesla's death ray to shoot this thing down. That's how important it was. And that's why we ha I have an actual letter signed by Roosevelt as president of the United States wanting to meet, wanting the lowdown on Tesla, wanting to meet with Tesla for those reasons. Absolutely fascinating. And like you say, the, the man behind all these inventions was just almost like any other guy. He had a sense of humor. And all this, he wasn't, like, humor, he wasn't yeah. like people would expect him to be, you know, Albert Einstein with its, you know, with the hair and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, another example of a sense of humor. Sure. Uh, he comes back to New York and he's going to have lunch with Rudyard Kipling. He knew Twain and Kipling. And he, he writes to Katherine Johnson. He says, what's the matter with ink spiller Kipling? He dared to take me to this runchy hotel in Greenwich Village where I was sure to find hair and cockroaches in the soup. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he was hip, you know. You know that he was hip. And he was, you know, with part of the, the elite group. Now, where is he? Now, other than Venus, what 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 is his nationality? His background? Tesla was a Serb born in Croatia. It took me a number of years to understand the difference between these two groups. Mm -hmm. uh, the Croats were uh, Roman Catholics, and the right. Serbs were Greek Orthodox. The Catholics, but they they didn't uh, have the Pope as the main guy. That was one of the big differences. And the uh, the Roman Catholic priest cannot marry, whereas the Greek Orthodox priest can marry. And Tesla's father was a, a Greek Orthodox priest, so he was married and had children. When I was teaching at Providence College, this priest showed up in my class with the white collar. And I'm going around the room, what did each person do? And he says, well, you know, I'm talking about my three kids. And when everyone looked at me, I have three kids. Well, he was a he was a he was a, author, a Greek Orthodox priest. He was perfectly okay for him to marry, but you know, he looked like a Catholic priest at the time. But this tremendous, unfortunately, tremendous hate between those two groups. In the 1990s, there's a third group called the the the, uh, the, the Turks or the Muslims. Uh, so there are three groups in Yugoslavia: uh, the Muslims, the Croats, and the Serbs. And the three groups hate each other. Mm -hmm. And when my book was translated into Croatian and it also translated into Serbian, I flew over to Croatia and uh, I found out that, uh, you know, I had one of these book signings mm -hmm. and the guy next to me was the most important scientist in all of Croatia. And he's reading from this huge giant book and it's in Croatian. And I'm thinking, what do they need me for? He's got this huge giant book talking about Tesla. How come mm -hmm. I'm here? And as he's reading, it's dawning on me that it's my book he's reading from. <laughs> it's in Croatian. And I found out that the U.S. State Department helped fund the translation of my book into Croatian. So I now have to get from Zagreb in Croatia to Belgrade in Serbia. And I'm supposed to take a plane. And uh, it got fogged in. So I paid a, a taxi cab driver 300 bucks to, to drive because I had a, a conference to get to by 2 in the afternoon. It was like 8 in the morning. When we got to the border, this is Yugoslavia, which was one country before, you know, when I when I went there in the 1980s, it was one country, you'd go all over the place. But after the war, when 100,000 people died in the war, there was a line of cars. You know, we just looked at the queen, the death and stuff. You see all these people. Well, there was a line of cars going miles on both directions. There were, I'm sorry, trucks. We were in a taxi, so we went right through. But they couldn't, there was no commerce between the Croats and the Serbs. And uh, there's still killing that's going on between those two groups. It's it's that horrible, uh, the ethnic hate hatred that unfortunately exists. So on the positive side, Tesla is a Serb born in Croatia, so both groups can lay claim to him. So he stands in a very positive way for a way for the two groups to get back together. It's a very good thing that, uh, in, in Tesla's case for that reason. So a kid that's born like that in, in Croatia. Did he show signs of, 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 of intelligence, you know, 
when he was a kid? Yes, he had incredible powers of eidetic imagery. <clears throat> I taught a course on dreams. And uh, this one girl was telling a dream, you know, she said, I was walking down the, the river and this elephant landed and I got on its back and flew away. And there's a girl in the back of the room nodding no. She, mm -hmm. I said, why are you nodding no? She said, that girl is lying. I said, what do you mean she's lying? I said, you can't see anything in your dreams. I said, what do you mean you can't see anything in your dreams? She said, how can you see anything in your dreams? Your eyes are closed. I said, well, do you have a dream? She said, yeah, but I'm blind. She had no power of eidetic imagery and assumed nobody had any power of eidetic imagery. Yeah. Tesla was the exact opposite. He could build machines in his head, run them in his head, see what was wrong with them, and then work it out on paper. He was an incredible mathematician. So mathematics as well. With mathematics, I was a uh, honors math student. I can't understand his math. I mean, that's how unbelievable his math is. But he had very powerful uh, uh, powers of eidetic imagery. And he also talks in his autobiography of traveling clairvoyance, that he would remotely travel to, uh, to distant places. Now, maybe it was just in fantasy, but it reads like, like uh, traveling clairvoyance, remote viewing. That's what I was wondering because the guy that I grew up with, like I talked about earlier, I mean, this is a guy that took a phone apart when he was five or six years old. Amazing. Back together. And then when those first computers came out, he knew all about the binary. He got into it, knew all about the binary language. And he could do all that at, before he was 12. It's well, amazing. To, to tell you, Tesla's linked to all of that. Tesla is the inventor of remote control robotics. He invented exactly. a remote control uh, boat. And the boat has two aerials. And, and the reason why it does is because it's, it could also be a drone. It's okay. protected privacy. So he's already multiplying frequencies on this boat. How do you steer a boat? The way he steered a boat, he used a counter spring on the rudder. Mm -hmm. And when the current was on, the, the, the boat went in one direction. When the current was off, the spring kicked into gear. So he could steer a boat with an on-off system, which is a binary code. John Hayes Hammond Jr., another inventor, realized, of course, that Tesla's the invention, inventor of the basis of all our computer chips is based on ones and zeros, on and off. Tesla figured out how to steer a boat with an on-off system. That's how brilliant he was um, and, uh, and exactly what, what your friend was doing. Right, right. And so so the, we can make a claim that Tesla had one of the first you know, primitive computers, and he certainly is the inventor of remote control robotics. Um, and what he says when he introduces us in 1898, I'm providing a new uh, species on the planet, not made out of flesh and bones, but out of wires and steel. And I'm endowing it with a mind. I'm giving him my own mind, but eventually this this machine will be able to make its own decisions. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this too, as after being around my friend for all those years, you know, after a while, you get used to what they're, you, know, you get used to them doing this stuff. So it's like, oh, so-and-so is at it again. They're, they're, he's tinkering around with this, tinkering around with that. But then you don't realize really, you know, because you're so close to it, you don't realize how, how, how ingenious they are until they get out in the world. You know, they go to school or, or he, comes, he becomes a computer programmer or does whatever, you know? It's something I think about. When I taught, I assumed everybody would understand whatever I would uh, teach if I could, you know, deal with the fundamentals. And I mean, like even Einstein's theory of relativity. And I found that to be the case. I think everybody can drive a car. We take it for granted, but driving a car is very complicated. Everybody is smart, but very few people apply themselves. Mm -hmm. But there are some people that are just, uh, the fellow Howard Smuckler, the guy who's got me started on all this, he's brilliant. He just, he's smarter than I am. He just is, you know? He'll say something and you realize, this guy's brain just works better than my brain. Mm -hmm. And that was Tesla. He really was uh, the real essence of what a genius is. Um, the word is overused, but in his case, it's it's just it happens to be true. Certainly, Edison was a genius too. You had these two, you know, incredible uh, minds. But I believe that all of us have genius within us. Mm -hmm. Tesla wrote an article. I have it as the final article in my book, where he has a picture of a baby on a on a uh, a, 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 a weight, you know. A, a, where you have on one side, you have the, uh, I'm looking for this thing. You have the baby on one side, and you have all of man's inventions on the other side of this counterweight. And the baby's brain is heavier than all of man's inventions today. Every invention that's ever been made is not as powerful as this baby's brain. 
that's how Tesla thought. And I, I believe that's true. I think we all have tremendous powers. You know that we're all psychic. We all have this ability. Um, and uh, it's a matter of tapping into it and, and applying yourself. Absolutely. Here's a question. Now, some of these guys that, that are real intelligent like that have weird quirks. For whatever reason, you know, there's just something that, that they do that's that's, that's kind of off the wall. Did Tesla have anything like that? Or was he just, a, 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 like you say, a straight good guy? Oh, he was weird. <laughs> no doubt about it. He was weird. And he was a bit of an elitist. Um, mm -hmm. He could be, and I think he was a bit of a megalomaniac. You know, he, he got carried away with, uh, he would either build Wardenclyffe or not at all. And he didn't do anything in between. He never, I think in football terms, he never dropped back and punted, which I think he should have. He should have had, a, he should have done cell phone technology if, if one, once Wardenclyffe failed. No, he was going to do the whole thing, not do it at all. And that supposedly is a Serbian trait. But he circled the block three times before he, he went into the into his building. Um, he had an aversion to pearls and to uh, peach fuzz. He was celibate. He claimed he had never had sex uh, with with a woman, never had sex with anybody. Um, he was a bit of a cleanliness nut. Um, he certainly, you know, you could make a case that he was obsessive compulsive. Um, but at the same time, he had so many friends, both sexes. He was best friends with Corrine Robinson, who was Teddy Roosevelt's sister. He was friends with Ann Morgan for the whole life, uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, uh, daughter. Um, so we, uh, Marguerite Merrington, she was a playwright. Uh, as I mentioned, John Jacob Bastor, Mark Twain, uh, Rudyard Kipling. These were all friends of his. So he was a man about town, but he had his weird side as well. There's no doubt about it. Well, the reason why I asked is because I did a paper in college on that too, about how I kind of felt that people that had a lot of talent, intelligence, kind of got the short end of the stick on other stuff because I think that whoever's giving us these gifts, you know, will, will, will give people so much of this intelligence that it kind of short circuits something else. You know what I mean? And did you, um, How did you research the paper? I just started doing research on, on, on different, you know, on, on different like celebrities and stuff and like Abraham Lincoln, people like that. You know, where Abraham Lincoln was bipolar, and you look at him with all the intelligence he had, and then you start going down, so it's like a rabbit hole. And you start looking at different people, and they all had some kind of quirk or something, you know, like, like I'm not going to say bipolar is a quirk because it's not, but you know what I mean, where the brain just doesn't function that well on the other side, but yet they're able to do all this really cool stuff. One of Tesla's uh, close associates later on was uh, Edwin Armstrong, who invented AM and FM radio. Mm -hmm. <coughs> And uh, uh, Sarnoff stole FM radio to, to make television. Right. Many a uh, few years ago, many of your listeners will know this. You used to be able to pick up the television stations on your radio when you were driving along. Right. Um, it, it, it's an FM frequency when you had the aerials. My father used right. to put the air. He was a television repairman when I was a kid. Uh, so Armstrong had to sue NBC and Sarnoff. Uh, because he said, I'm the inventor. You took my FM radio and you, and you made FM a very small thing, but mm -hmm. that should be the main uh, radio stations. Um, and he eventually, he jumped out a 11th story window and he committed suicide. And I think one of the big questions is, why didn't Tesla commit suicide? Mm -hmm. When you really look at what happened to him, he was building a world wireless uh, telegraphy station out on Long Island. We would have all had cell phones in 1901, 1902. We would have radio. We would have had... Uh, wireless lights right. they they thwarted the, the development of fluorescent lights for 40 years they didn't come into the 1940s he had them in the 1890s um this was morgan's people because they wanted people to have built-in obsolescence with the with the light bulb um the fact that he did not commit suicide mm -hmm. shows his transcendent nature and when he when he got the edison medal in 1917 he talks about that he his work is for the future and that uh, that this might that life might be more than what we're looking at here. That that my work is for uh, the future, for, for the youth, for, mm -hmm. for for that kind of thing. He had a transcendent nature, and he had to go through a hell of a lot mentally to not end his life because it was his life's work. When right. you look at what Wardenclyffe was um, during the making of the, the Tesla files, we use ground penetrating radar. We found that the that the that the underneath Wardenclyffe it went down 120 feet, 70 feet down. He had these earth grippers, these uh, electric rods that would go out to grip the earth, and he had four tunnels. Three of them were 100 feet long, 70 mm -hmm. feet under the ground, 
Now, can you imagine you put all this effort in and you go back to your benefactor, Morgan, and you're saying, I need another 100,000 uh, to complete this. I'm going to advance the world century. And Morgan says, I'm sorry, I don't have the money, but I can pay 140,000 for that painting uh, to put on my wall. Literally, he, that's what he was paying for. 100,000 was, was chicken feed for Morgan. So the Tesla suffered greatly at that time. And I discover a nervous breakdown through the breakdown of his handwriting in 1906 when he finds out that Morgan is, is not going to help him out. But what's so amazing about Tesla, John O'Neill, who wrote the first biography of, of Tesla, didn't know all this. Right. There were gaps. That's one of the reasons I wrote my uh, book, Wizard, because they were, what's going on? What really happened with Morgan? And I spent years studying the Tesla-Morgan letters. Tesla hid all of that from the public. And one of the reasons he hid it was he needed to not alienate himself from Morgan, even though Morgan was screwing him, because he needed other investors for all his other inventions. He had many other inventions. He had turbines and, and uh, he had an electric car. I mean, he had all these different things that he was working on, and he couldn't afford to have Morgan as an enemy. Uh, so no one knew about it, even the guy, uh, O'Neill, Pulitzer Prize-winning, reporter who knew him for 40 years didn't know the animosity that really existed between him and Morgan. Well, that's what I mean. I'm just, you know, I don't mean to be insulting to any of these geniuses or, or these great actors or singers. It's just there's, there's, there's something hidden always. But I think that's what makes them what they are, though, because they have that. It balance, the counterbalances everything. But if, but, but if you do go back and you look at the histories of some of these people, you will see stuff, you know, that's like that. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Like I say, bipolar is bipolar. My, I have bipolar in my family. You know, it runs through my family. But I'm just saying that sometimes I, I think the brain can 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 do so much intelligence-wise, and then there's something left. But that's okay. You know what I mean? As I keep backing myself into my corner. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no. I I remember teaching this one fellow. I forget that what the concept was, but it, it was so obvious to everybody in the room, and I kept going over it because I felt he's got to understand this. Yeah. And. We went at it, you know, and I went back to the whole thing, step one, step two, step, and all of a sudden, boom, it clicked, and he got it. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I think you could teach anybody the theory of relativity. I think you could teach anybody advanced right. mathematics if right. they apply themselves, but most people don't apply themselves. No. And I think you're right. Many people, because of, of their situation, um, you know, look at uh, Paul Simon. What, he's five foot two or five foot three, and maybe because he was so short, he put all his energy into writing poetry and writing right, these great, right. great songs. So right. there's different reasons, Napoleon, you know, the Napoleon complex. There's yeah. different reasons why people do what they do. Right. Uh, and that's, sir, I totally agree with you. Well, that's why I find it fascinating to study people like like, like Tesla. And, and that's why I'm so glad to have you on tonight because I'm just so fascinated by people like that. You never stop learning with him. He had written about something called the dynamic theory of gravity. You know, I wrote a book. I spent 14 years, literally, of daily work putting uh, Wizard together, Wizard Life, Times of Nikola Tesla. Uh, and it's a great book, and and it's doing very well. It's often number one on Amazon. But I just kept going, and because I keep learning more and more about him. I mean, he just, he, it unfolds. So at some point, I started to think about, what is this dynamic theory of gravity? Mm -hmm. he, he writes, he tells only one person on the whole planet this thing he says that the sun is absorbing more energy than it's radiating mm -hmm. it sounds crazy i mean you stand in front of you know i i, I think the sun is too strong now these days right. you know? but that it's absorbing more energy than it's radiating it sounds crazy to me so i i looked into who he told this to the guy he told this to his name is joseph alsop i said who the heck? i knew that alsop was a famous reporter but i did a little bit more research Alsop's grandmother was Corrine Robinson, who I mentioned before. Corrine Robinson's brother is Teddy Roosevelt. So Joseph Alsop, this 21-year-old kid just out of college that he tells this secret to, is a relative to Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Roosevelt. That's who he tells that the sun is absorbing more energy than it's radiating. And so I spent years thinking about this dynamic theory of gravity, dynamic theory of gravity. You know, the Higgs boson, they're looking for a particle that gives matter its mass, a particle. Dynamic theory involves a process, not a particle. And I finally figured out what Tesla's dynamic theory of gravity is. When we jump up, I thought we were attracted back to the Earth. We're attracted by gravity to the Earth. But that's not, according to what Tesla is, what, what gravity is. 
what what he what he's saying is that all of matter is absorbing energy all of the time. Mm-hmm. So the sun is absorbing a tremendous amount of energy. The earth is absorbing a tremendous amount of energy. It's etheric energy uh, to give matter its mass. Mm-hmm. And so the reason we fall back to the earth is not because we're attracted to the earth, because we're in the way of the influx of this huge amount of energy. Now, Tesla kept all this stuff secret. It took me 30 years or so to mm-hmm. tell you what I'm just telling you now. But you can understand that, right? I mean, it's a simple concept. Well, yeah. If the earth yeah. is absorbing a tremendous amount of energy and we jump up, the reason we fall back down is because we're in the way of this influx. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. So, total sense. I, I, but I'll tell you, when start, some of these scientists start reading my, my book, you know, Wizard at War, you're going to see there's going to be a lot of animosity towards me. Cypher doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. There isn't ether. This dynamic theory is crazy. Boom, boom, boom. To me, it makes perfect sense at all. All matter absorbs energy all the time. So there is no such thing as a God particle. It's a God process. It's a uh, it's a dynamic process of, of absorbing energy. Everything is absorbing energy all the time and transforming it into electromagnetism. That happens to also be grand unification. That was a, a secret that Einstein spent 40 years trying to figure out. And, and I just did in, in two minutes. Well, you know, when you think about the scientists, um, you know, I think the problem is, you know, they've been studying the same stuff forever. And when something new comes along, they're just, uh, they just don't want to be open to it. Yes. And and that was the problem with Tesla. Tesla was dealing with an entirely new paradigm. How do you send voice through the air? And when you think about it, if you're on a cell phone right now and you're in a house, mm-hmm. those vibrations are coming right through the walls of your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very incredible concept. And television is even more far out. I mean, we, I'm the first TV generation. I grew up in the 1950s. Um, but Tesla understands that in, in 1900. Morgan can't figure what the hell is he talking about? Sending right. voice and pictures through the air? The guy's nuts. I'm not going to put another 150000 in. I, I got to stop this guy. He's risking rubber plantations and copper and, and lumber. Forget it. I'm shutting him off. And I think Morgan had, had, had uh, second thoughts later. Uh, you know, he knew that he had made a mistake. Well, look at my internet uh, hub is in my living room, which is like probably halfway across the house. And I'm in here doing the show. Yeah. That's what's incredible about it. Well, look at how fast these new smartphones came in. What are they, about 10, 12 years old, really? I mean, mm-hmm. the real good ones. Yeah. I mean, it's astounding. And you you talked about when you had the Tandy computer. Yeah. You remember you had the counting pages you could type onto onto the entire machine, and yes. if you if the, then the way you got you uh, erase certain words if you wanted to keep certain letters, you know, because every time you got rid of a letter you would lose space. Now, right. now not only can you put pictures on there, you can put motion pictures on your phone. Mm-hmm. It's it's mind blowing uh, the technology. Well, too about those old Tandy computers too. There was no software, so anything you had that you wanted to use you had to type it in yourself yeah, yeah. Well, if, you screwed, if you screwed up one letter of that binary code you were doomed that was my first computer too at a tr handy four <laughs> in fact when i put it it was in this very room i put it in this room i stepped back at, at my door and i said i want to remember this moment always because i know eventually it'll be like second nature and i want to remember when this was far out to have a home computer in my house and it's yeah. important, for, you know, for, the, for people that are listening in, certain moments, like the Queen, you know, there was a double rainbow over London yep. when she died. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a very far out story. I have chills right now. And I, I in a way, I don't like to tell the story because it's it's so painful. But I, I lost a, a nephew who died suddenly. He was 12 years old. And we went to his uh, tragic funeral. Uh, and above uh, the chapel, this was 10 years ago was a double rainbow. This was an amazing kid. His name was Bentley. Just an amazing kid. And uh, it was a double rainbow. Now here we are 10 or 12 years later and Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth dies and there's a double rainbow over London. That is one heck of a coincidence. We live in an amazing world. You are psychic phenomena. I, as I said, parapsychology for 15 years. Uri Gell is one of my closest friends. I mean, I'm tapped into that whole realm, uh, but we have to keep our eyes open. There is a wider reality out there, and we were just given a message. Look at all those millions of people attending her funeral. 
Yeah. And what is she, why? You know, because she symbolizes family. She symbolizes unity, caring, not the political discourse that we're unfortunately dealing with, but unity, family, motherhood, uh, all of that is inherent. And then God or whatever, the higher powers, they give us a sign. And if you're smart enough, you recognize the sign. And there it is. And I'm here to tell you that I've seen the sign once before. And uh, there's more to that story. But, you know, it's it's been an unbelievable experience. I've had many psychic experiences. It's interesting, like you say, with what's going on in the world, how many hundreds of thousands of people came together for this funeral? Yes. And I don't know how old, you mentioned your age. Uh, you were about five or six years old when we landed on the moon, you yeah. know. The whole world came together for that yeah. one moment. Yeah. Um, we don't want war. You know, we have one horrible person in, in uh, Russia uh, disturbing, you know, there's a disturbance in the force, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, Tesla stood for uh, harnessing the work of nature. When I was a kid, my hero growing up was Jacques Cousteau. And one of the main reasons was he used the highest technology to study nature, not to corrupt the world, but to study nature. And Tesla stood for the very same thing. One of Tesla's closest friends was John Muir, you know, Muir Woods, uh, Yosemite Park, all that. He takes Teddy Roosevelt out to Yosemite Park, says, we have to save this beautiful area, um, you know, Grand Canyon, all of that. That's all back to John Muir and read his poems. That was one of Tesla's closest friends. They didn't screw up Niagara Falls. It's actually nicer on the Canadian side, but it's a beautiful, beautiful area. So here we are providing power for the whole Northeast and it's it's non-polluting. That's who Tesla is. He yep. stands for the future of, of, of this uh, uh, planet that, you know, climate change. He had a rainmaking machine. He, he had created a patent for it. He never uh, actually filed that patent. But he felt there was a way to uh, to create rain. Look at all the droughts we've had. He also had a way to break up tornadoes, um, and it would be you know certain kinds of explosions that you would put inside. Not what uh, President Trump was saying of nuclear explosion, which is just mm -hmm. totally daffy. No, but a certain way to break up that thing. We see how destructive uh, tornadoes are. Tesla had an idea that our brain was so great that at some point we'd be able to actually move the planets with our intelligence. That we'd be able to. You know, create this whole new uh, universe uh, through our intelligence. That's how his thinking really was. And so I've been at it for 40 something years and I constantly am learning new things because the guy covered so much ground um, and is constantly opening up new vistas in my own mind. It, 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 he was amazing. It's definitely. Do you think there will ever be anybody else like him that comes by? Yes, I think there are many kids today that are uh, learning on, on a whole different level. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, shot a, a, a sequence for um, ancient astronauts on Friday, and I had my famous Egyptian tie. It's a beautiful tie. It looks like hieroglyphics. It's just really a great tie. And I'm waiting to get on the train to go back. And this young uh, fellow, uh, an Asian kid, uh, sat next to me. And he said, that's a really far out tie. And we got to talking, and we're talking on and on and on. And it turns out he was uh, born in Vietnam. And, uh, and you know, we have this the terrible thing that, that we had this war. And hey, we have this uh, young uh, fellow, very, very bright. We totally hit it off. And I was so happy and pleased, you know, that our country was, that we've gotten beyond that that terrible moment. Japan is our friend. We were in a terrible fight with Japan, you know. Uh, Germany is our friend. And look at what the Germans have had to, to go through. So I think that the planet is evolving. And I think there are new Teslas that, that, are, that are arriving. Um, we're trying to make a movie. My, my partner is Tim Eaton. He's, he worked for George Lucas for uh, 20 years. We, we have a, a screenplay that we're trying to get made. Um, and I think that Tesla is such an important symbol uh, to, to, wake, to wake people up. I mentioned Jacques Cousteau. I was a kid. When you're under the water with Jacques Cousteau looking at all that he's doing under the water. And, and so we want to reach the children. Um, and I'm also a handwriting expert. I want to bring back cursive writing. I think the fact that, that we've gotten rid of uh, cursive writing is, is ridiculous. It's like learning a violin or learning the piano. It's a, it's a, it's a real yeah. talent. Uh, and why do you get rid of it? I mean, just because we can type now, um, it's a way to train the brain. So I believe that there are new Teslas on the horizon. Um, I watched 60 Minutes. I talk about it in, in my new book, Wizard at War. Um, 
Tesla thought that there was a way to photograph thoughts. If you could put a machine on the retina, you could see what people are envisioning. That was his idea. Mm -hmm. This fellow, I don't have his name on the, uh, the tip of my tongue, but it's in my, my new book. He was on 60 Minutes. He works at MIT. He's a student at MIT. He realized that if you put a machine on the larynx, so let's say you're thinking about, uh, let's say you're thinking about all the states, you know, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Nebraska, et cetera. If you just think those, you're actually sending an impulse to the voice box if you're going to say those words. He's able to translate the information from the voice box to, his, to an earpiece um, and then connect it to a computer. So Scott Pelle says to him, I want you to multiply 742,000 times 648. So he thinks those numbers from the voice box, sends it to the computer, goes to Google, Google does the mathematics, goes back to his earpiece, and he says 17 billion 400, whatever the answer is, and he says the exact answer because it's in his earpiece. Then Scott Pelle says to him, all right, what is the capital of Bulgaria and what's the population? He thinks the question. It goes to his voice box, the voice box, the machine attached there, retranslates it, sends it out to Google, comes back to an earpiece. We don't see any of that. And about 15 seconds or 10 seconds, he says the capital is Sophia and the population is a million. And he's right. Now, I think if kids are learning with this, we're going to have these kids. Now, the, the negative side is that the internet can be wrong. You know, the right. internet makes certain mistakes. Right, right, it's right. not always right. But I, but I think this kid deserves a Nobel Prize uh, for that invention. And I think he is a young Tesla. There's no doubt in my mind uh, that for him to come up with this invention, it's just pure genius. That is really cool. You know what? This hour blew by. I want to thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. It was great uh, talking to you. Um, it was just, it just did fly by. And uh, I'm so happy that you have a show on parapsychology. I thought in the 1970s that departments of parapsychology would be opening up. I know humans are telepathic. I was studying the neurophysiology of telepathy way mm -hmm. back when. Uh, but I just want to say again, I hope people uh, tune in and I hope uh, you know they're interested in my book. It's called Tesla, Wizard at War. It covers a lot of the things that we're talking about tonight. And it's just really a great read. And thank you again for having me. Well, thank you for coming. And I'd like to have you on a later date to talk about your other projects, like your shows and stuff. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, sir, you have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Right, okay, that was awesome. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tesla and all those guys, and I couldn't have gotten a better interview. And thank you so much, Mr. Cypher. Yes, it is Cypher. All right, guys, we're shifting gears tomorrow. Um, Kim Dennis is going to be with us talking about the other side, and uh, she counsels people after their, their loved ones have passed away to describe what the other side is like to kind of make things calmer for them and, you know, kind of make them feel better about what happened. So that'll be tomorrow. If you're watching from Facebook and you like the show, uh, please do uh, hit that follow button. Uh, if you like the, if you're watching from uh, TikTok, same thing, all those other places you're watching from, even YouTube, there's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner with a magnifying glass, Sherlock Holmes hat on, hit that button and that'll subscribe you to our videos. There's over 450 shows over there that you can check out. We've been busy. In fact, next week, we're about to start our third season in this format. So I'm real excited about that. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. And uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. You know, like, we're, like I always say, we're equal opportunity here. So uh, we're trying to get the word out. And the more people that get the word, the more people are going to come see our show. Just like our podcast numbers are, are jumping through the roof. So I'm real excited. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this gentleman's information to contact him, you know, where, where you can find him. He's got a real nice website and uh, where to get his books and all that stuff. And then I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So here we go. Let's see if I hit the right button this time. There we go. Website. Mark Cipher at M-A-R-C-C-I-F-E-R dot com. And that book is uh, Wizard Nicholas Tet. Nikola Tesla. And the other book is Tesla Wizard at War.
And of course, you can get those at Amazon. All right, and let's not forget, down at the bottom, you, there's that ticker down there, and it's, it's always there. <laughs> and that's just if you want to help me out a little bit to help keep the show going and pay some of the, you know, help me pay some of the internet bills and everything that, that goes with producing this. So if you can find it in your heart, that would be great at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, there's Venmo and then California Haunts. Again, I want to thank you all. I appreciate each and every one of you that I'm going, I'm going to call you guys my, my ghostly groupies. How's that? You're, you're all my ghostly groupies. And uh, you've been coming, and especially the ones that come in the chat room every night. My gosh, you know, it's, it's just been wonderful. And for the new people that are starting to listen, like I said, share the show out. You know, I appreciate everybody, even if you're new, old, or whatever. And if you have any comments about the show that you want to share with me, shoot me an email at uh, caesarsghost at yahoo.com. All right, shoot me an email over there. If you have any ideas for possible guests on the show, you can do that. And what happens is, if I put a guest on that you suggest, I'll give you a free T-shirt. We have California Haunts T-shirts, so I'll I'll send you a free T-shirt if 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 one if one of your suggestions be, ends up being a guest on the show. How's that sound? So it's C E S A R S G H O S T at yahoo.com. All right, that's where you get a hold of me. All right, guys, I will see you tomorrow. Have a nice night.